Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to uh, be taking a look at the different uh, challenges to religious freedom, parental rights, the sanctity of human life. And to start with, I'd like to bring on our attorney who heads up our office there in the state of Arizona, attorney Lynn Gore. Uh, Lynn, welcome to the show. So Lynn, uh, What's uh, what's been happening in, in Arizona? I understand they have a new governor there, and I've heard that uh, many people there who uh, believe in religious freedom, parents' rights, sanctity of life, have a biblical worldview, are pretty shocked with uh, what's taking place there. I understand there's a lot of great bills being passed, but uh, that there's at least one or two that's been vetoed by this governor. Please tell me more. Uh, actually, I believe it's uh, it's over 20, which... Uh, is more than what the previous governor, who did two terms, did in in eight years. So th- th- there's been a bevy of vetoes of, of of bills that you and I would agree were were good uh, and, and promoted the things that we stand for, which is uh, parents' rights, uh, pro-life issues, uh, religious liberty. And she is just just knocking them down. Fortunately, she doesn't really. She, she's not pushing any of her agenda, but she sure is uh, blocking uh, the agenda that we have. I understand that's probably because the state legislature is more conservative, more pro-freedom, pro-liberty, parents' rights, sanctity of life, et cetera, right? Is that probably the reason she wouldn't get anywhere if she did promote it and push it? Or is it just complacency on her part for her, her liberal no, cause? I, I, no, I, I I think that there's definitely a, a big divide between her worldview and the worldview of most people in Arizona, as as reflected by the bills that were passed and uh, that that she vetoed. And so I think there's going to be some blowback in the you know in the coming uh, elections. We have elections in Arizona every two years for the state house and the state senate. So uh, it should be interesting to see uh, how that's going to work. Um, but we, but. We have her for the next uh, four years, and I think the legislature will, uh, if they can override some of these vetoes going forward, that's not going to happen this this session. But maybe maybe in two years, maybe they are upcoming uh, election, then they'll be able to, you know, beef up the, the legislators that are uh, for a, a more conservative worldview perspective and be able to have her um, sort of basically not be a threat, because if you have... You have like two thirds, I believe, in Arizona. You can override the, the veto of the governor, right? So that could be really significant. That that could be significant, and I think that uh, people are 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 seeing that. And uh, if they want to continue down the path that the legislature has attempted to go in this session, then they're going to have to come out and vote and uh, elect people who are going to properly uh, put those issues forward, and with enough of those folks, there will be uh, the ability to override some of those. And some of these, just so you know, some of these bills were were actually bipartisan bills that she vetoed. So, okay, all right. Well, uh, 
Well, let's take a look at some of these bills. So I, one of the was going to prevent the use of public money or facilities uh, for drag shows targeting minors, children, right? Uh, having a drag or similar shows that targeted minors. Uh, it was going to implement this. Uh, it sounds pretty mainstream, pretty no-brainer. She vetoed this legislation that would have protected uh, children? Right. She she did. And, and there's there, there were a number of bills... Uh, along those lines, and again, they were they were, they were well crafted in the sense that they were directed towards those uh, sexually explicit uh, shows or material towards children. It's it, you know this is not an attempt to ban drag shows or cabaret shows or anything like that. This is an attempt to protect our children from sexually explicit material, uh, including drag shows. Yeah. And the first bill you mentioned had to do with uh, we see different governmental organizations putting these on, whether it's a school or a library or college. Uh, and that would have put an end to that both at the uh, state level, county and city level. There would have been no that that would have been if 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 government space is being used or if government money is being spent directly or indirectly, then that would have uh, outlawed that. And she vetoed that. Uh Basically, picking up the mantra, well, intolerance has no place in Arizona. Well, you know, but I, I guess intolerance only works one way. So that that's that was her uh, her position, and she repeated it over and over in a number of these vetoes, where she just can, uh, uh, you know, she doesn't want to criminalize free expression. She doesn't want to. Um, uh, stigmatize the LB, LGBTQIA plus community. Now, those are her words. So, hmm. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a, a, a terrible shame. Now, ESG has been very uh, aggressively taking over Wall Street and, and influencing uh, investments from, from states uh, to support the diversity, equity, inclusion, which is another name for racist uh, hate, hate-filled redistribution of wealth, or stealing from one group to another, uh, you know, discriminating against one group or another, not because of their qualifications, but because of their their race strictly, uh, or other group. So, I mean, it's it's very radical. ESG is very radical. They've taken over a lot of companies. So, I understand that uh, this legislation that was recommended, that was brought before, would have banned the use of ESG standards policy for fiduciaries and government entities, governmental entities. So I guess basically saying, government, you don't look at this ESG standards from the, the, the radical left. You look and see if this company that you're investing tax dollars in for pensions or whatever uh, is good for meeting the need of, of uh, the people getting pension benefits or whatever that investment benefit is. That sounds very reasonable. Most taxpayers <coughs> and people on pension want investments that are going to be for the the, the the interests of securing their retirement benefits, not promoting some radi- radical leftist agenda. Um, but she vetoed this bill, right? Exactly. She uh, the, there's there were two bills. One had to do with fiduciaries. For example, if you're a guardian, if you're a guardian or a conservator, and you're investing money on behalf of somebody else in a fiduciary capacity. The law was going to say, "Look, you've got to look out for the best interest of the person you're, uh, whose welfare you're looking out for, uh, not to invest in these politically radical 
uh, ESG type investments, but rather look out for the person that you swore an oath to look out for. Uh, and, and that was vetoed. And the, the other one had to do with governmental funds. So when, when, when the government collects funds, they, uh, you know, they invest that until it's spent. And so governments have huge um, investment portfolios. And so this was right. uh, directing the government, including the, the state treasurer, to look out for the interests of taxpayers and, and uh, the welfare of the, the finances of the government rather than trying to promote this ESG right. uh, stuff. Okay. So. Another one is uh, mandating public schools to have a single occupancy bathroom for the use by trans uh, persons rather than allowing to use bathrooms and, and maybe, I don't know if the locker rooms apply to this or not, but uh, don't, that don't correspond to their sex. This sounds like very reasonable, very rational accommodation. Uh, you know, saying, hey, if there's a trans student, uh, we'll have a separate place for them to change and, and uh, or, uh, to, to go to the bathroom, use the bathroom, so it doesn't infringe upon the fundamental rights of others to be visually violated by the, by the opposite sex. To me, this is a no-brainer. But she vetoed this, right? She, she did. And again, she went back to intolerance has no place and... You know, we don't want to stigmatize the community. But you're right. I mean, again, the legislature went out of their way to ensure that if there's a trans person, that they have a safe place that they can, and it does apply to locker rooms, to either go to the bathroom or to change for gym class, uh, rather than giving that person basically a veto over everybody else. So, so a, yeah, so she, thinks it's, so she thinks it's um, discrimination and bigotry uh, to... Uh, protect a, a teenage girl from having to be seen by a naked teenage boy while she's getting out of the shower and, and putting on her clothes. I mean, that's, that's intolerance, saying girls should be visually violated on a daily basis and that somehow it's reasonable to expect a girl to just pretend that this boy is a female just because he allegedly says that he sees himself as a female, assuming that he does. Uh, even the majority of those boys are still sexually turned on by girls, statistically. So... Uh, she is extreme, and it's it's sick, absolutely sick. She should have signed that. Also, an increase in tax credits for private school tuition. Arizona has been the hallmark for that across the country. Many states are, are following Arizona's success, and yet here we have an attempt to increase tax credits. She rejected that. She vetoed that. Uh, require government disinvestment um, to uh, from uh, any company uh, that promotes abortions uh, for minors. Uh, or for the inclusion of sexually explicit material um, in uh, grades K through 12, so requiring government disinvestment um, from any of these companies. Uh, you know, Lynn, I, I mean, that's, once again, very reasonable. Why should government invest in, you know, uh, sexually explicit material to kids or, or promote abortions? Uh, so she's, once again, not listening to the to the people of Arizona. Another one is to require is require government, or we are talked about that. Um, another one is uh, banning public employees from exposing minors to sexually explicit <laughs> materials. Uh, that would apply to teachers as well, I guess, right? That would apply to teachers and, and, and to librarians. Uh, you know, we talk about the book, book controversies, books. We've seen the stories about these horrific uh, sexually explicit books and 
and uh, uh, graphic novels, which are comic books, with drawings of inappropriate sexual behavior uh, in libraries. Uh, we've, we've seen video clips of teachers promoting uh, deviant sexual behavior to their kids. And all, all this bill said was that uh, you, you, can't, you can't do that. If it's, if it's sexually explicit, you can't direct it to children. And so, again, you know, she claims that she's looking out for the welfare of the kids, but she's not. She's, no. she's clearly looking, has an agenda. Oh, yeah, she has a big agenda. This other one she vetoed is, is outrageous, too. It, the bill would have prevented school employees, including teachers and contractors, from using inaccurate pronouns. That is a pronoun different than what the child actually is, their gender. Uh, for children without the written permission from pa students' parents. I mean, this, this exactly. is basic, basically that, you know, this is basically trying to maintain some degree of trust uh, with regard to public schools. But she vetoed it. She wants schools to go behind the backs of, of parents and push kids into confusion, encourage confusion, leading to depression and suicide. This is, she's sick. Yeah, and, and also to uh, the effect of this is that now the schools are going to pressure all teachers and administrators, employees to use the incorrect pronouns when talking about a child, uh, you know, with or without the, the consent of the parent. So this 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 bill would have allowed would allow the use of of improper pronouns, provided that the teacher agreed. And that the parent that the parents signed off on it, and the child wanted it. Hmm. So again, I I don't think it goes far enough. But it, it, you know, she vetoed the whole thing. Yeah, it was a very moderate piece of legislation. I think they should just say, you don't call a child by a pronoun different than than what they are biologically. Um, you can even have language saying absent a change in their birth certificate. Uh, I mean, you mm -hmm. can put in much more qualify bigger qualifiers just in case you've got some sick parents out there that maybe adopted the child and they have their own agenda that they want to use the child for as a as a trophy or whatever uh, i've heard of that and that's real unfortunate uh, unfortunately lynn this is becoming common in public schools throughout the united states did you know that pji's church finds its voice initiative is a huge success and coming alongside pastors to encourage them to get all their congregants registered to vote and then to vote biblically in every election for candidates that share the Christian worldview and commit to serve their constituents with that mindset. We communicate regularly with over 3,000 pastors, and we do it all free of charge. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. There are many issues that are facing moms and dads across America. You know, one of those issues happens to deal with the uh, increase in children being taken wrongfully by zealous social workers, uh, often because of the religious beliefs and convictions of that family. So we at Pacific Justice, uh, we have a number of steps you can take. We're going to talk about that later in the show, as well as what to do when your school or school district has a policy allowing biological boys to go into girls' locker rooms at the same time as girls, or the bathrooms the same time as, as, uh, as, as, as girls. You know, what do you do in that situation? We're going to talk about that as well. And to talk about that and some other issues we have with us 
here now, the attorney out of our Stockton, California office, uh, Milton Matchak. Milton, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brad. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, so, Milton, uh, what types of cases have you worked on currently uh, there at PJI that uh, you could update us on? Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. I worked on uh, a number of uh, cases or assisted in working on a number of cases that uh, deal with um, those that have sincerely held religious objections to the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, yes, those are still going on um, and even uh, new inquiries uh, by uh, potential clients uh, about these uh, types of issues. We have another number of cases um, in active litigation uh, against uh, large retailers against um, aerospace companies, uh, against uh, government uh, and um, healthcare providers, uh, a large um, Southern California healthcare provider. Uh, but these are the types of cases. And, and I've uh, assisted people in various aspects of the um, administrative uh, area of making claims with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or Department of Fair Employment and Housing of the state or the federal government uh, against um, employers that have discriminated against people because they have a sincere uh, uh, religious objection to the COVID-19 vaccine. Wow, so uh, I guess you're not very busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, that's very impressive. We're talking your office, what your office is doing. We've got folks, once again, we have 31 offices like this across the country, uh, taken on all kinds of Goliaths everywhere. So, you know, when people get frustrated, you know, Milton, and they say to themselves, why is anyone doing anything? I just say, have you gone to our website yet? Have you, are you getting our, our updates uh, on our cases? Because if they are, they can sit back and say, I know someone's doing something very aggressively, and that's Pacific Justice Institute. And uh, what you talked about is very impressive. There's lots of Goliaths that you're taking on, on a wide spectrum, and we're working hard to, to try to make sure that no one is left on the side of the road. So I know your office is very busy, just that office there in Stockton, California, helping the Northern California, a uh, bunch of, uh, of attorneys deal with cases. So thank you so much for that. What kind of employers uh, are you dealing with that are not allowing uh, or providing for religious exemptions for employees, and uh, specifically uh, employees of faith, people of faith? It, it, it runs the gamut, uh, Brad. We've had employers. Um, uh, I've been co-counsel on cases where the employers are large um, retail firms, uh, like grocery stores, uh, uh, um, uh, aerospace industry uh, companies. I'm sorry, I, I'd lost the word there. Um, those involved in the aerospace industry, uh, those involved, in fact, a couple of different companies there. Um, government, state uh, or local government um, entities uh, that have discriminated against um, people of faith because of their objection to the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and I, I've helped people, uh, maybe not through the litigation process, but in the EEOC process, again, um, a, a, lo a local park district um, and various uh, smaller employers uh, had um, some uh, recent inquiries from uh, nursing students that are at um, going, getting ready to go through their uh, clinicals and they need to be in the hospital situation, but those are um, 
but the hospitals are still requiring the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and right. so those are the types of uh, industry that we're involved in. They, they literally run the gamut right. um, throughout our society and throughout our governmental system. I've heard reports, Milton, that uh, in California, there are even some uh, Christian colleges, Christian universities that have that, that have been told that uh, that they have to require the students uh, to be vaxxed if they're going to be nursing majors. Uh, you know, I, that's that's sounds really extreme where you have to have people leaving the state of California if they're Christian and they they don't want to be vaxxed. They want to be a nurse uh, that they can't go to a Christian college university in California. Have you heard anything about that and uh, any any remedy offhand that you can talk about to, to address that that issue? Brett, I have to say, I, I'm not familiar with, uh, I, I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar, um, personally familiar, you know, through my work with any uh, Christian colleges that I've heard about, but I, I Well, the public universities, what about, wonder, yeah, what about, uh, I'm not, yeah, what about like the public universities, uh, you mentioned nurses, that's why I was, I was at nursing, going to nursing school, um, those are, uh, those are cases dealing with, I guess, public universities that are requiring those then, right? That you're talking correct, about? Correct. Okay. Many of the the, uh, the hospitals through public universities um, and uh, many of the hospitals that are are used by the, the public, either private or public universities, you know, the, the universities might not have the COVID-19 uh, mandates, but because you have to go through an actual clinical process within a hospital situation uh, or um, that that the hospitals are requiring it. And so it puts a halt on uh, many of these nurses have gone through or students, I should say, um, and not just nursing students, but other students also have uh, you know gone into one, two years of their uh, education. They've spent a lot of money and, and now they've met this roadblock that uh, because they have a religious objection, they can't further their education. Well, wow, that's a that's a terrible dilemma. I've heard it in Washington State. I think Oregon and some other blue states have been very problematic. And I've heard people just picking up and leaving the state, going to a tolerant red state where they can, you know, finish up and get their uh, the required uh, hospital hours in, so they can become a, a registered nurse or a medical profession. Uh, it's it's just a real shame that these states are losing qualified people to help in an industry where it's already undermanned. I mean, there's a shortage of nurses, there's a shortage of doctors. And these blue states are so foolish in their zeal for, these, for the vax that they're hurting themselves, they're hurting the patients, uh, delaying surgeries and things like that because there's a shortage of people in the healthcare industry. So uh, that's, a, that's a real crisis for not just the, those wanting to, to get the, uh, the RN, but also the, the many people who are needing those services. What are some steps a person can take Milton, if uh, if they believe that they've been discriminated against like this, what what can they do? Uh, starting at the sort of the, the ground floor level, they can make an appeal or or contact, of course, Pacific Justice Institute, and um, and ask for our assistance in making an appeal to their employer through a demand letter um, or a direct appeal to the employer that they be rehired back. You know, stating what the law and the status of the law is on that. Um, and uh, how religious rights have been uh, effective and violated by that. Um, if that uh, doesn't uh, end up in a positive result, then of course the first steps are the administrative steps, filing uh, claims of discrimination 
with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, that's the federal branch, or in California, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, that's the California branch that handles the civil rights um, claims. And um, you can do that online. It's very easy. It's very simple. Uh, you need to be timely in doing it, though. Don't wait. Uh, once you've received some sort of an adverse job action or been fired because of your sincerely held religious beliefs, I would contact those agencies uh, quickly, file claims through them, and then respond to them and any additional information um, that they may have. And then once that goes through the process, should you get a right to sue letter, um, then you know contact a PJI or contact an attorney for um, for filing a lawsuit with either the federal government. Uh, in federal court or in state court. Okay. Okay, so there's some definite things that people can do to protect themselves. And we at PGI stand there to help them. And our website, of course, Absolutely. has a lot of this valuable information, uh, pji.org. Milton, I appreciate the work that you're doing, all the many, many cases. Uh, we don't charge for our work, so I, I appreciate you and uh, keep up the great work, Milton. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, President of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. <laughs>